Welcome to the 26th episode of the Disney Cruise Line blog podcast. Before we get into the episode answering listener questions, I'd like to take a moment to do a little campaigning on my behalf. Thanks to our readers and social media followers, I've been nominated for Best Cruise Blogger for the 2017 Cruise International Awards. It is an honor to be one of the five category nominees, which include past winners and perennial nominees. Although this nomination is for me, it's truly a nomination for the entire family, because this website and podcast are really a team effort and would not be possible without Emily and Isabel's continued support. You can vote by visiting awards.cruise-international.com. A link is provided in the show notes. Thank you for your consideration and vote for Cruise Awards 2017's Best Cruise Blogger. And now, on to the show. Now we enter the email stage. Our first email is from Leah Gooch. Do you have a list of favorite guidebooks to suggest for researching Disney Alaskan cruises? Wondering if Passport or Unofficial Guide will be releasing new guides in 2018 or other suggestions. Some things I've been trying to research is the difference between first in season to end of the season cruises. Daylight, I have been able to see times and wondering about less snowy cat mountains or is it all the same depending on winter weather that year? I also wondered how the late port times and if that was because excursions got back later in the day so you could so you would miss uh main dinner and show times. Thanks. Future Disney Alaskan cruiser Leah and family. Well, if port adventures do come back late past the dinner times, that's you know, you kinda have to plan that ahead of time. Yeah, that dinner's happens to go- us in, in the Norway and Iceland yeah. cruise. Dinner dinner and show schedules, you know, Onboard schedules continue as normal. Sometimes they'll push the first seating back a little bit. I think we saw that, but it wasn't much more than like 30 minutes, if most. Uh, but more or less, the schedule remains the same on board. So if you're on a port adventure and you have main dinner seating and you come back like at 6.30, you know, you essentially miss your dinner. You go to room service or you've got your deck options or, Cabana. or cabanas. Um, that happened to us when we were in Reykjavik. No, yes, it was it was Reykjavik. Yeah. We did an excursion that was from like 5 p.m. to 9 or 10 p.m. or something like that. And, of course, we were at early dining and we just ate well on the road in Iceland. And and that's that's the way it was. So, yeah, it's, it's okay to miss every once in a while. As far as guidebooks... Um, I can tell you that I'm the one that usually in the family peruses those. Um, the tried and true, of course, is the unofficial guide to Disney Cruise Line. Cruise Line shameless plug there, but um, you know we do have some additions in in that book. Um, that was the first book I used to plan my first trip to Walt Disney World with my family back in 1992. Uh, was the Walt Disney World unofficial guide to Walt Disney World? Um, but I like to get the eyewitness travel books. Those were super helpful when we went to Norway and Iceland because there were pull-out maps in the back. Um, it was helpful with public transportations and, and things like that. For Alaska, I have found that the Fodor's Travel um, has a lot more information as well. Scott can link it in the show notes. Uh, to I bought them on Amazon. Um, so the Eyewitness Travel has more pictures, um, a few key points in each of the ports. Fodor's Travel goes into a little bit more detail. Um, Scott hasn't picked up them but more than two seconds just to kind of peruse through them uh there's one port that we're gonna just gonna walk around um and kind of hang out in 
And um, then there's another port where we're going to walk around before our excursion. So uh, it's been kind of instrumental to kind of see what the walking tours and things are, as well as the unofficial guide, which has walking tours of each port. The uh, I looked online, and the, the unofficial guide to Disney Cruise Line for 2018 is already available to pre-order on Amazon. The date on Amazon is a December 2017 release date, but think in the past that dates actually come up come up a little sooner uh i couldn't find a actually it was a june 23 release date for the latest passporter guide on amazon for 2017 i'm not sure if that's just the last update because they're now doing according to the website they're doing passporters live guide collection where it's essentially it sounds like it's continuously updated guide you know digital guide on their website to answer your question, too, about um, the first in season to the end of season cruises, so we are kind of the slave to the school schedule, plus we booked specifically due to the nine-night this year. That's why we booked this one, uh, just instead of the general seven-night sailings, because we wanted to go to the Hubbard Glacier. Um, and if they would have offered Sitka, we would have went to that one. We, we, when we're traveling, we actually have to fly somewhere, other than driving over to Port Canaveral or Miami. We actually enjoy uh, having kind of the longer cruise experience. So our daughter is out of school just after or just before Memorial Day and then goes back to school at the beginning of August. So that kind of dictates the schedule for us. Um, as far as cruising the beginning of May, um, you know, that, of course, is the beginning of season. I can tell you that my in-laws did a Holland America cruise in September, and they found that to be very buggy, um, you know, much cooler, a lot rainier. Um, so it does vary as far as the weather goes, but we don't have any other personal experience that we can give you. So, you know, you'd want to kind of look into different reviews and things for that. And like Emily said, we've been looking at using other non-cruise, cruise related, you know, guidebooks for the specific ports of call. I mean, other than how to get from the port to the point of interest those books are great for really researching the actual destination for that day and it, sometimes it might be a little overkill like you don't want to just buy the oslo book if you're only going to be in oslo for a few hours but you know a book on norway you know norway would be better but like you know the books we got were just alaska in general for traveling and you know they're broken down you know there's a whole section for each really port of call that kind of highlights everything so it's does a good job of you know, there's definitely a lot in the books that we're not using because we're only going to those few ports in the in the south region of Alaska. But as Scott said, when we went to Norway and Iceland, we bought Norway and Iceland books, and it was super helpful because um, when we went to Oslo, we had the public transportation down to a science. We knew exactly where we wanted to go. We had friends. We were all able to kind of get around the city and see almost every point of interest that we wanted to see, and got on board the ship within 15 minutes to spare. So we really use all of our time in Oslo. Um, the same thing with, with going to San Juan the first time we visited there. Um, the same thing with going to Stavanger where we wanted to take the public transportation, i.e. the bus in that situation, out to the swords and come back um, instead of taking a Disney excursion. They have been very beneficial in helping us kind of review things um, beforehand southern caribbean the same way so while we do have two disney um cruise line 
port excursions booked uh, for this Alaskan cruise. We will be doing Ketchikan and Icy Straight Point kind of on our own. So um, the guidebooks, as of course well as the internet, have been you know helpful and kind of um, figuring those things out. Uh, I can't answer your question about the less snowy Cap Mountain or the same, um, depending on the year. I mean, it definitely will vary because it varied in Iceland. I mean, we got to Akureyri, which was very close to the Arctic Circle. Um, our daughter wanted to touch snow because she's never touched snow before and was unable to do so because it had been melted. And had we have gone there a week beforehand, um, our tour guide said that we would have, you know, he would have been able to accommodate that without any difficulty. So just kind of look up trends and weather and, and see what you can you can kind of find there. And if you look at other um, folks' photos, it all it, it's going to depend on on several factors. But it looks like that you've you've definitely. I mean, a glacier is a glacier, so you know the ice is going to be there. All right, moving on to our next email from Jody. I have a couple of stateroom questions for you: inside stateroom versus ocean view stateroom and lower level versus higher level. Please let me know your thoughts. Well, I will pass you on to episode 19 where we talked about staterooms in depth. Isabel has something she'd like to add here. I do prefer ocean views just in case you might see any animals. Like maybe you can see a dolphin in the distance or see some sort of whale. So, Jody, we've had... Um Every type of stateroom except for concierge. So we've done veranda, we've done ocean view, we have done inside. Um, when we first started cruising, I would say our first probably almost 10 cruises, we um, exclusively had veranda or um, you know maybe there was a couple of ocean views sprinkled in. Uh, On high-end low decks. Yep, we've done and navigators, mid. verandas, we've done, you know, we've... I don't want to say we've done them all because we haven't been on deck one on the classic ships or things like that. But um, I'll, I'll give you a few rules of thumb. As Scott said, go back and listen to that. You know, and Isabel has her opinions as well. I Disney, first of all, Disney Cruise Line has become very expensive. They are definitely not your budget cruise line. So for us, in order to cruise routinely and cruise in places that we want to go, Scott's motto is, as long as I'm on the ship, it doesn't matter. I used to think that that was kind of a load of fooey. However, in the last few cruises where we have gotten inside rooms, whether it has been um, our choice or, you know, when we did the Florida resident rate uh, on the Fantasy last summer um, and we booked the inside stateroom, it hasn't been bad. It actually forces us out on deck more than when we have a veranda because we've kind of taken it for granted. So, for example, um, when we were on the Fantasy and we booked the Florida resident rate, we were on deck nine. We were on deck four and those lovely teak loungers more often than not. Um, however, I feel like sometimes when we've had the veranda, especially in shorter cruises, we're kind of forcing ourselves to use it because it's kind of that mindset we paid for it, we have to use it. But... You know, um, another example, when we went to Norway and Iceland, we had the inside stateroom. That was absolutely perfect because there was midnight sun there. So it was actually really good to have the darkness there. And then if we wanted to go out on deck, which we did, we went ahead and did that. So 
Um, personal preference. I do not like deck two on the classic ships. I don't mind deck two. I've been on deck two on the dream and it was fine. I do not like deck two on the classics. That is my own personal opinion. I would rather be in an inside room on a higher deck than an ocean view state room on deck two. Again, your, you know, your, um, opinion may vary. I would never say no to a veranda. I enjoy a veranda. I actually really enjoyed our true navigators veranda when we were on deck five on the Southern Caribbean because you had those the bench seating. You had the open sort of porthole. It wasn't a full balcony, but you still got the fresh sea air. But that Southern Caribbean cruise was so port intensive, we really never used the veranda. So, um, you know, we're a family that is up early. I'm rope dropping the gym or running on deck. The family is up. When I come back, we go to breakfast together or they're already awake and we kind of go to bed at our normal bedtimes, you know, which is pretty early, 8, 39 o'clock for Isabel and, you know, not much to follow for Scott and I. So for us in a port intensive cruise, we're perfectly happy. Um, as Scott said, with any room is a room, if, you know, as if, long as we're on the ship. If you're asking about like state rooms based on motion, We've, you know, we've never tried to escape motion because, you know, we're going on a cruise. We fully expect to feel the movement. So, and it's not, it's not been an issue, you know, seasickness wise, knock on wood. So, in fact, I, I like to be rocked asleep by the, you know, motion of the ship at night. So, and Isabel will tell you that she likes deck five because of the proximity to the kids club. Yep. So, you know, Just to walk right I over. would like Scott said, go ahead and, and, and go back to, you know, the, the other podcast that he referenced. But, um, honestly, I'm going to go with when I'm picking a stateroom and, and I'm saying this, answering this question because Scott has never booked a cruise. So I book the cruises and I book the staterooms. So we tend to prefer kind of the mid-range um, decks on the classic Magic and Wonder. I usually try to book deck five or deck six. We were on deck seven once, but I, I try to book five or six. Um, and then on the Dream class, we prefer deck eight. Um, we've been on deck eight or nine, but... That's typically, and we're aft cruisers. We um, have had all of our staterooms except I think we've been midship one time. I don't think we've ever been forward. We've never been forward. Um, again, that's personal preference. So, um, you know, if I'm looking at price first, I'm going to go with the most economical. And then if the price is the same, whether it be forward, midship, or aft, we tend to book aft, and those are the decks we, we tend to book. So, um, you know, everybody has their own reasoning for what they do, but... Um, since you're, you're asking for ours, uh, Jody, that's, that's what I can give you. Our next, um, email comes from Randy Crane. Um, he says, hi, I really appreciate your show on your website. Um, as someone who loves Disney cruises, but doesn't get to take them as nearly as often as he'd like, it helps to keep him connected, uh, on them beyond his own. He's going to be taking a small group of about 15 people on the Disney wonder in mid September for the five night Baja sailing. And he's asking our advice on a few things. First, he wants to talk about arranging maybe a scavenger hunt for them. Um, and what would we include? And what other group activities besides eating together in a port adventure would we suggest? Um, maybe a fish extender gift um, or door decorating contest. 
you know, is there anything that we could suggest for Randy? You know, Randy, we did the actual, uh, you know, crew staff put together scavenger hunts on a cruise we did a couple of years ago in Europe. Hidden they, Mickey's. Yeah, they did like the a hidden, hidden Mickey Mickey's? hunt. And they had uh, like three different ones that you could do on a couple different days. And they were like prizes it was like, an image, and you had to find where the image was. It was like a little. Oh yeah, those were awesome. Yeah, it They're was like a very fun. tight close up of car, like the carpet someplace, or you know, a design feature someplace on the ship. Things that you know, when you're doing scavenger hunts, if you're making up your own, try to make you know the clues and stuff of things that don't change often, or even during dry dock, like. The mural behind Port Adventure and yeah. the other desk. The murals, desk? like, in the Wonders Last Dry Dock, the murals behind the Port Adventures and guest services changed, and now they're all Little Mermaid-themed yeah. murals. So like make easy. sure if you do that to check, you know, bigger things like that are still current. But scavenger yeah, the, hunts are a lot of fun. Because the carpet doesn't fun. change. The carpet in the staterooms, those don't change. Yeah. They've never changed. So, I think maybe once. Well, refreshed. Well, yes, but, <laughs> but same pattern. Yeah, scavenger hunts and like hidden Mickey hunts are great. Definitely a fun activity to kind of walk around and explore the ship kind of thing. You could arrange also to do, um, you know, depends on what ship you're on, the, the pub or the sports bar of your ship, whether it be O'Gills or, or what have you. Um, they have the uh, board games in there. So you could do a group board game session where you know, maybe for just one hour, a group of you play categories or something like that. That would be fun. And then, you know, have a prize or a giveaway of something, some, you know, some sort of thing like that. Yeah, for, uh, I mean, mixology seems to always be a popular thing to do for larger groups. Kind of you get together and you kind of yeah, organize they'll do a, a private, they'll do a private, yeah, private, ta- private, you know, beverage seminar of any kind. I think if, you call and talk to Disney Cruise Line, you know, to set something up. I think that's one of the more popular ones we've seen frequently on our different cruises. So the Vizic Center gift, gift exchange, I'm not going to give um, our opinion on that, but I will tell you that to hone in a little bit would be to kind of hone in on um, a idea for it or a theme. So, Maybe make it an ornament gift exchange where everybody brings ornaments from the region that they're from, you know, something like that. So you kind of can fine tune it a little bit and not just make it kind of the the free for all that it can be. I think a door decorating contest is great. You know, if you've got people that are are traveling, you know, if this is a Baja cruise, I'm traveling from Florida, I'm not going to want to pack my suitcase full of a bunch of junk. Door decorating contest is super easy because everything's flat and doesn't really weigh anything for my suitcase. So I think that that is an an awesome idea. Um, And then getting together for a specific event on the Navigator. So you know that pretty much every cruise they're going to do music trivia or villains trivia or, or something like that where you can say, hey... You know, if you have your early dining or your late dining, you can, there's usually at 7.30 between both seatings, there's some sort of trivia. So you could, you know, have a couple groups that do something like that. Um, and then that way people can participate if they choose or participate if they don't. But if you have kind of a smaller group 
where it's around 15, that sounds like that, that would, that would actually be a blast. I think some just general advice for traveling with a group, you know, even, you know, so that's a little bit, you might call that a small group, but that's, you know, we've tried to organize things between two staterooms before, and that's somewhat challenging. So I would plan like, you know, a first day or a first kind of, you know, for, you know, a planned get together and meeting, you know, if it's like in preludes, just to get together as the group to kind of like talk stuff over for the rest of the cruise early on. So you guys can either share, you know, onboard chat ID numbers with the uh, navigator app or, you know, share your stateroom numbers if any of them got updated, you know, changed since, you know, you might have talked beforehand. Just so you can kind of finalize any plans that were maybe dependent on seeing like the navigators. Because, you, you know, when you, on embarkation day, if you pull up the navigator app, you can look at all the activities that are scheduled for the entire cruise pending that they stay the same. And you can kind of make some sort of, you know, plans based on what you see there as long as they remain the same. The other thing I would suggest that would be fun, which you could do um, even, you know, with 15 minus if there are any children there is um, to do a group dinner at Palo or group, you know, seating during brunch. You know, you just go up on embarkation day and, um, you know, let them know that you have this group and you'd like to see if the private room is available. That would be something that you could do. Um, granted, there is a, a fee for, for Palo for those that aren't platinum, but um, we did do the, the private room with a group on our Norway and Iceland cruise, and, and it was a blast. So um, that is another, granted, adult-only function that you could do, but but something that you could certainly do. And, and Scott's right, kind of get together on embarkation day, maybe at the sail away party before or after, um, and, you know, kind of go through... You know, a, 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 you have a mock schedule beforehand, but then kind of go through those things just to make sure that they haven't changed. All right, our next question, Scott. Next question is from the Broadways. We are planning our first cruise for next spring, and your podcast and blog have been a huge help. Thank you. No, thank you. We'll be on the Disney Fantasy March 3rd, and originally reserved a deluxe family ocean view due to being worried about our veranda with a small with small children. I since have changed my mind on that after seeing how hard the doors are to open. My question for you is that is your opinion on deluxe ocean view stateroom with extended veranda guaranteed stateroom? Is there any risk with the guaranteed stateroom or guaranteed room on getting some strange configuration with only one bathroom or other oddity? <laughs> Well, I, you know, Go first, ahead, Scott, because I have my caveat, you well, give him your textbook, uh, uh, Disney answer. <laughs> well, no, I was going to, I was going to first comment on, you know, the stateroom, the sliding doors. It, it is tough. There's a double lock yeah. and there's even that safety latch up at the top, which are you able to reach that Isabel? No, I don't know. She can at 10, but when we started cruising with her at three and a half, I know, there was a you no can way. reach that top like safety latch. I think so. She can mask. Okay. So, yeah. It's hard. It's, hard it's not it's not at all easy, you know, short of climbing up on a stool to get that secondary latch that's higher up this just make sure it's latched. But the cool know. thing is when the when you first get into your room it's locked, so you, now you know the locked position. Yeah. Yeah. You can memorize that, say this is the locked position, maybe even write it down. 
So, you know, like first up, second down, whatever it is. A little veranda safety 101 when you first enter the room is always worthwhile. As far as guaranteed stuff, it's... Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm gonna stop you there, hon. Okay. So let me just tell you, Mitchell, we've um, cruised lots, double digits. Um, we've let the guarantee status happen to us once. And after that happened, I vowed we would never do that again. So again, to each their own. Um, we, were, we booked an inside stateroom uh, on the Magic, and they quote-unquote upgraded us to a Category 9C stateroom on Deck 2, and we happened to be over uh, or under a loading dock. And Isabel was still at the age. Um, it was 2011, so she was just about to turn four. She was still taking naps, and so it was super loud. You know, we realized that not everybody takes their kids back to their rooms. and But from then on, long story short, we decided that we really wanted to choose our room every time we cruised. Not everybody feels that way, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but we just prefer to not have the guarantee stateroom. I would not book those rooms on deck five, um, those four E staterooms, because yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> They're those huge long staterooms, but I can see you. Everybody can see down on your veranda, um, and even though that seems like no big deal if you're going out in your clothes and what have you, it's just not something that I would want to look up and see people looking at me. Again, personal preference. We like the five E staterooms that are in, in the aft. Um, they're also big verandas. They're they're not as long, but you know those don't exist. Again, to each their own. So back to veranda safety. We started cruising with Isabel three and a half. Um, she you know she was potty trained, all that good stuff. Obviously, she was potty trained two and a half, but that we wanted to make sure she was in the be able to go to the kids club and and so forth. We didn't have any issue putting her in a veranda because we kind of went over the rules before we got there. The door was locked. She did not go out there on her own. Um, she was not the unruly kid that was going to climb up on the table and chairs, nor were we going to allow her. So you definitely have to keep an eye on your child. Um, but I would not, if for our family, not book a veranda because I was worried about her climbing um, because you know, if you're watching your child, then, you know, again, you're taking some responsibility, you know, as a parent. So, um, it's up to you. If you're fine with booking that category and you're fine with, with getting that, absolutely go for it. Especially if it's a, a savings, um, you know, there's no reason that, that that should hold you back. Just know those things. When you look up, you're going to see everyone from, you know, deck six up looking down on your veranda and if you don't care about that, again, more power to you, go for it. So we're not we're not here to hold you back from that. Absolutely not. One last thing about the stateroom safety. I mean, I was always, you know, more concerned about Isabel slamming her fingers in the bathroom doors or the stateroom door itself. Um, it's rocking the closet doors. Yeah. Yeah, the bathroom door is crazy. There's, yeah. I actually I posted a video a long time ago. There's like this little like tension adjustment on the top of the bathroom doors to adjust how slow, you know, they close. And sometimes those are just set. So the door slams and there's, I mean, once that door, those doors are heavy. So, and it's one of those things that 
I still check kind of when we get in the room to see how quickly those doors slam and, you know, adjust that little setting, uh, you know, because it's not worth having a broken finger on day one or at all. So. She didn't have one anyway. Right. She didn't take that chance. Right. So that's that's one thing I still always check is how the, ba- how the you know, bathroom doors you know, the resistance on their closure. And I'll post a link to that video we put together a long time ago in the show notes. It's worth at least checking out, especially if you have little ones or, you know, in general. I've almost slammed my finger in the doors too, so. And now on to the voicemail. Hi, Disney Cruise Line blog. This is Emily Hansa-Hicks, and I can often be heard on the com podcast, but that is not why I'm calling. I'm calling because you guys are the experts on the cruises, Five, and um, the two of them will be just under five. The other will be three. And I'm wondering. I listen religiously to Isabel's favorite things to do. But what I'm wondering what Isabel and what you would recommend that we do, especially with regards to port excursions, with um, sort of younger kids. Uh, and, and pretty much any tips would be great. I've heard there's costumes involved. Um, I don't know how messy the kids get in the kids' club. Any kind of tips that you could give us would be great. Um, I would love to hear an episode about that or just hear from you. Um, The other thing I was wondering is you guys have some really cool little travel itineraries, and I'm participating in a fish extender group, and I was hoping to make magnets. And I was wondering if you guys would mind if I cut out pictures of your itinerary uh, to make the magnets, or if you would prefer I did not, I can probably just draw them or something like that. But I thought if you would give me permission, those really pretty parchment-looking ones, um, I would never do it for sale or anything just for the fish extender exchange. So, But let me know what you think. Um, again, this is Emily Hansa-Hicks. I'm a huge fan of yours. I listen to all of your episodes. I can't wait till you put out another one. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi, guys. I just realized, this is Emily on Hicks again. I just realized I forgot to tell you um, which cruise itinerary we're going on, and that will probably help you give recommendations if you are so inclined to do so. Um, we're going on the Western uh, Caribbean Itinerary Sea. So it's the Cosmo, um, Falmouth, Cayman, and Castaway. Thanks so much. Hope to hear from you. Bye. Well, hi, Emily. This is Emily. Um, and... That actually works out well. Our first two cruises with Isabel, she was three and a half um, and then almost four. And we did two double dips to Castaway Key, two five-night cruises. And then our third cruise with Isabel, she was um, four. And she did the Western Caribbean. So um, we have a very active daughter who was able to swim. So take that into consideration. Um, When we did the Bahamas uh, with Isabel, we actually have not taken her off the ship in NASA other than one time to get night pictures of the ship. So um, that one, we haven't really done anything with. We've treated that as a sea day. For the Western Caribbean, um, with Isabel with Grand Cayman, we did the island tour. I'm pretty sure they probably still offer that. It was great. They went to the turtle farm. They took you to a beach to kind of put your feet in. They took you to hell, all of those kitschy type places. Um, And then we actually went to Margaritaville near the port or very close to where the um, 
the tenders release uh, lets you off to kind of go around. We've done that with her um, all the times we've gone to Cayman. There's a pool, there's a slide, there's a hot tub. It's super family friendly during the day. It's actually filled with the majority of Disney cruisers. Um, so we did that in Cayman. Um, I would not hesitate to do that again, although now she's older, we would probably do um, the Stingray, you know, more of the Stingray stuff. In Cozumel, we did something that I would not recommend with your younger kids. We did um, the Eco Park and uh, Snorkel. Um, it was too boring for a little kid, too much time in the um, open air truck. Uh, awesome places. That, of course, she enjoyed the beach the most. My husband snorkeled because she was still too young to snorkel. Um, but beach, beach party, something like that would be something that you could do um, in Cozumel. And we have not been to Falmouth. So um, I will let Isabel give you kind of her takes on that. But when they're three and five, it's it's kind of hard to include them in the planning, but you kind of can a little bit by showing them some pictures or showing them some videos of things and seeing what they'd be interested to do. And also their, their swimming status is going to be a big part of it. So how good can they swim? Can you go to the beach? Or are you just going to, you know, kind of toy around with them or, or, or can they actually, you know, get out there and swim? So all those things are going to kind of be um, variables with that. Um, Isabel, what would you, what would you add? Um, I mean, you probably don't remember cruising that young, but I don't, but, um, she, she wants to know also about the kids club. So talk about some of the activities that you like to do. How messy, how are messy they? do you get, et cetera. So in the kids club slash the lab, the lab has an exciting craft room, which every day they have new crafts that are very easy, and the cast members guide you and help you if you're small of age, and you can start to meet most of them when you're doing the open house. So um, what about super slappy science? Because that sounds super slappy. How slappy is that, Isabel? Well, Flubber is very messy. They even have you wear a lab coat and glasses. But they um, kind of keep you protected. So oh, yeah. So you're not going to get full-on finger paint covered and stuff. Well, they'll have you wash your hands after, which is good. Okay. But you will have a bag of blubber. Blubber, I'm sorry. So one of the things that Isabel has told us, and it kind of is also going to depend on how, go- how outgoing your child is, is let's say you've looked on the navigator and you see that they're going to do... They do baking, too. Okay, or they're going to do... A baking thing. Which they give you they a They will come out and they will announce that they're going to do it. But if you're not paying attention or your child doesn't want to go back there, they're going to continue on doing what they're doing. So there have been many times, um, not now because she's 10, but when she was younger, that we would say, oh, did you do 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 with Snow White? And she'd kind of look at us like we had three heads because probably she didn't hear the counselor come in and say, oh, Snow White's coming or we're going to do this activity. No, they go over this loudspeaker that usually you can hear from both ends. But you had to pay attention, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm, sort so, of, because you can hear it. Right. So it's not it's like if you send your kid into the kids' club at 5 o'clock expecting to do this activity, that they're going to do this activity. So you kind of have to have your child, you know, pay, pay attention to Basically, it. they're not forced into each activity. Except it's lunch and dinner. You are forced to do something. <laughs> Even if it's take a drink of apple juice or something. They force you into this room, see if you want to eat something, and then you can go out if you don't want to. <laughs> as far as um, magnets and the fish extender, 
um, Isabel did enjoy doing that when she was younger. It got to the point where it was kind of too much and it wasn't fun anymore and, and it became a chore. And um, so we haven't done it in a long time, but definitely when she was, you know, your, your children's ages of three and five, um, it was still very fun to go deliver, look at all the fish extenders, you know, check the fish extender coming back from um, when you were coming back to your room. And so, even in the morning, because there could be adults coming out in the morning before anyone's there right. to just so be that, like Santa. That is something that children at your age, you know, at those ages, three and five, probably would really enjoy, especially if you, um, you know, involve them. So when we used to do it, Isabel helped me stuff the bags and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I definitely recommend that, you know. The, we still do door magnets, um, and part of that is so that we know where our stateroom door is, even though we kind of have the same rooms that we like to request. It's easier when going down the hall to, to see our names and, and things on the door. We don't kind of go overload uh, or overboard on them, but we still do do the magnets. So, um, you know, that's that's always a fun time. We do one specific for each itinerary, and then we, we save them. It's kind of our little keepsake. I mean, one time I did accidentally try to go into another room. Well, it happens, especially with little kids. <laughs> as far as using the itinerary maps from the website, go for it. Have fun. If the map is, if the graphic from the website's too small, or if you need it bigger, let me send me an email. I can get you a larger image size. Just let me know what you need. I think your kids will have a good time at Cayman, even if you just got off the ship. Um, you know, took the tender and had a local take you to, you know, a beach on Seven Mile Island or something. You know, even if you didn't really do anything, it's fun. Um, Cayman's a nice port. It's safe. It's clean. You know, it's a it's a good place. So, another thing we've kind of, you know, experienced with Disney and, you know, third party port adventures, is there are times where you might be in a van, a bus for a long period of time. Plan activities for that bus ride. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, you're going out on this port adventure, you're getting off the ship, but you end up going right into a van or a bus for 45 minutes to an hour. And License plate bingo. Well, you might see five cars on your whole trip, depending on where yeah, you are. Grand Cayman, it's kind of like count how many chickens. Yeah, but I mean, some, depending on where you are and how long, you know, the travel time might be, which is often vague on Disney's website and the Port Adventure descriptions. You know, just plan an activity and also plan like a snack in your carry bag for your kids. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not like you can just pull off to the side of the road and grab something. You're kind of stuck in this, you know, not stuck, but, you know, you're part of this excursion and you might not get to the next place where you could actually buy a snack. So... Yeah, we always had stuff in our bag, and yeah. we would hear from other parents. I remember being in St. John and hearing from other parents, wow, you guys were so smart to bring, you know, X, Y, and Z. But we always planned for that with, you know, not to mention that my husband also gets hangry. So, I mean, it's important to kind it's of true. plan for that stuff. So you never know where you're going to be. But with little kids especially, you know, they're they're hungry a lot, so... The best thing is a box of cereal from Cabana's in the morning and just take out the, you know, sealed bag of cereal. I could get the little ready-to-do ones. Yeah, I like granola bars. Those are 
Yeah, we we always Invaluable. had we it's always had protein, some sort of trail mix, some sort of. But yeah, that that stuff is is very helpful if you're if you're out doing those things. You know, if you're on something that's from, you know, even if it's eight to noon or something, and you're, you know, um, swimming, you're you're going to be hungry. So, um, yeah, there are places to buy stuff, but maybe not everybody wants to, you know, get conch fritters and French fries either. So, um, having those things that. Um, you know, a pack of goldfish, whatever for your kids is, is super important. And if you're one to use like a, you know, an iPad or a tablet or a phone that, you know, you're used to using cellular service for, you might be on a foreign port where you don't have cellular service to like, you know, stream that video or play that game that might require the internet. So keep that in mind with uh, the activities that you might kind of you know, having your bag of tricks to kind of pacify the time for your children as you're, you know, waiting to get to the beach. And then, you know, hopefully afterwards everybody's kind of tired and it's like a chill ride home. But We also always brought water. We, we do. In every port, um, we kind of have the, the Yeti or the, you know, Orca or, or some sort of thermos, you know, where we take ice water. So um, that's another thing that, you know, we make sure that we have. And some of the Disney excursions, of course, they... They have all those things with you, but the Sanders family is known to book a lot of stuff on our own, and we just want to be, you know, prepared for ourselves. So, you know, that's that's pretty much that. All right. Our uh, final set of voicemails are from Eddie from Long Island. Hi. Um, I'm calling in for um, a podcast topic or question, rather. What do you guys like to do? on unexpected sea days where you may have a port scheduled and then you get canceled um, while on the sailing. It happened to me twice now on Disney, and they do a phenomenal job. But I just wanted to know um, what your take is on that. All right. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, it's Eddie from Long Island. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Eddie. You know, we've been pretty lucky that We've not actually missed a port of call. Uh, we've almost been unable to dock at Castaway Key, but they still made it in on time with a second attempt. Uh, we've been on a sailing where the itinerary was reversed due to a it was a tropical storm mm-hmm. in the southern. So we were still able to go to all the same ports call that we originally, you know, were scheduled to go on to, just in a different order. Um, so I guess rephrase the question so what would we do if this happened to us Uh, i mean and just kind of take it i mean probably take it in stride i'm sure if it was like a unique protocol that we were you know a unique itinerary that we booked specifically for a port and it got missed we'd probably be bummed out but i know we've been we kind of know that you know things like this happen and it's not like they don't want to go to the port you know they're not trying to save money and pocket it you know, you'll get your port fees back anyway, but it's more or less Mother Nature has the final say in a lot of times if you're going to make it to port, you know, or mechanical issues. So, I mean, you just kind of go with the flow. You kind of see what the new personal navigator that comes out, what kind of things are offered, you know, is how, what's the weather like on deck, you know, it might be a... It pool. Might, might be very popular at the pool because, you know, nobody Penny. had plans. It's the easiest thing to just go up to. 
and with the deck, depending on what ship you're on, you could probably play mini golf. Mm-hmm. Mini golf. I mean, as as you've experienced in a couple times, there's they do a good job of filling up the activities. So it's just a matter of, you know, finding a way to get over the disappointment and missing the port and making the best of, you know, your time on the ship then. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a, a warm climate, then, I mean, I'm sure the Sanders family would, you know, just hit the deck. I can watch movies on Funnel Vision pretty much all day. That's the time where, you know, my phone is is in the safe, locked up, and I can just sit out there and, and read a book and watch Funnel Vision. Isabel's fine in the pool in the hot tub all day. I'll join her in the hot tub. Sometimes Scott and I will switch off going to the adult area. Um, if you're at a cooler destination um, or if the weather is bad, we are always up for trivia or happy to um, do some crafts or the those board games we talked about earlier. Isabel and I could play categories for hours because we just find that to be fun. If Isabel wants to go to the kids club, maybe Scott and I, you know, could attend a tasting because they'll typically add things like that. So, um, you know, again, the Sanders family is pretty easy to please. Worst comes to worst, we're happy to just watch movies in our stateroom. So, you know, that's something that we could do. Isabel, what would you say? That's and what I was going to say. You, so you would be fine to watch a movie in your stateroom? Yes. Yes. So. I mean, another possibility, and, you know, we can't speak, we're not speaking from experience here, but you could always see if they're opening up brunch at Palo or Remy, depending on what ship you're on. Yeah, and they'll have more movies in the, you know, Buena Vista Theater and, and things like that as well. So. Mm. Which are good things to pass time. Movies yeah. in the movie theater. Uh, I mean, exactly. even on a regular sea day, there's never been, you know, I've never been looking for something to do. There's mm-hmm. always something to do to occupy our time. It's just whether we want to do it or not. Sometimes and it's almost like, I wish there wasn't so many things to do. And being that Scott is the Disney Cruise Line blog, he often takes his computer out to deck four and sits there and works. And so uh, there is never a shortage for us of, of things to do. Right, Isabel? I guess. All right, Eddie's next question. Hi, yes. Um, I have a few topics that I would like to um, hear about on the podcast. Um, first topic is magic over wonder. Um, we got some very similar itineraries coming up with um, just Fortnite Bohemians, you know, Caribbean coming up in the winter. So I was just um wondering what would you say because I do know that you have sailed on the new wonder. Um and of course love the magic, which is my favorite ship. I just would like to know where you think would be um what sailings you think would be better out of those two um options second topic i would like to hear on the podcast is um regarding what the ships will be doing at the end of the year 2018 do we see the magic coming back to new york will the wonder you know stay there out on the west like what do you see these ships doing 
Um, like, where do you think you're going to see the ships out? Um, it at the end of next year, beginning of 2019. Um, I believe that's it. Thank you very much. I can't wait to hear another podcast come out soon. I look forward to them and listen to them all the time. So um, thank you again, Scott and family. Bye-bye. All right, Eddie. Um, take the first part about the 2019 stuff first. Pretty much wherever they're ending up, ending the year in 20, like, at the, you know, the November, December, it's pretty much where you're going to see them in the early spring, early winter sailing out of, you know, similar itineraries. You might see, you know, change here and there, like, you know, some Southern Caribbeans tossed in, but more or less once they kind of reposition in that fall period, you know, the magic and wonder kind of stay put, you know, throughout that early winter uh, period before they then go off to Alaska and the Mediterranean. I mean, again, just speaking on, you know, the way things have gone in history. Going back to your first question about the magic or wonder, and I think the fairest way to answer this question is to say you could go on any of the sailings, you know, it's not about where they're sailing, it's not about when they're sailing, just pick the ship between the two for, you know, an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Which one would I pick? And I don't know. It's tough. But as much as I really love the magic, I think I'm leaning towards the wonder. And I think it's really Tiana's that's doing it. That whole dinner experience at Tiana's is really cool. You know. However, I would rather be on the magic to go see Tangled over Frozen. If given the choice of the two, I'm I'm probably gonna definitely go itinerary and then and then, you know, a proximity to the port because if I have a choose choice between a five night western out of Miami or out of Port Canaveral, I'm gonna go Port Canaveral um, because it's just easier for me to get to. It's an hour to get to, or a Scott drives about fifty minutes versus almost four hours to Miami. So, um. You know, the Magic definitely was my favorite ship forever. Um, the Wonder, Scott's right. Tiana's Place is phenomenal. Um, I love Tiana's Place. Um, I think that Azure has a good quality, you know, kind of for hanging out. In the Magic, I like Keys a little bit better over the Cadillac Lounge. Is it enough to get me to book one ship or the other? It's tough because I love Tangled on the Magic. I love the Snuggly Duckling. You know, turning that bar into the Snuggly Duckling is the best. Um, so if if given the choice between Westerns and one goes to Key West, I'm going to choose that one. I love Key West. Um, Scott and I would, and Isabel too, would choose going to Key West because it's super easy for us to get to Key West via ship. So let's say that the magic is going to Key West and the wonder adds a sea day. I might might choose the magic. Um, but yeah, Eddie, that, that's a hard choice between the classics now because they're both so great. Um, I, I rode the Aquadunk on the magic. It's okay. It's a face full of water. I like thrill rides. Um, is it something that I'm going to wait in line to repeatedly do? Not really. 
Um, so does that get me to book one over the other? Nah. Um, you know, it's little nuances that are, are done between the two aren't really enough. Um, so I'm pretty even Steven on them. As Scott said, Tiana's gives it the slight edge. You know, let's go to our expert, our 10-year-old. Isabel, wonder, magic, what do you do? That's hard. What do you do? Well, let's put it this way. From your perspective, which Oceaneer Lab and Club would you rather... If you could, could walk out of this room and go and do either one of those, which one would you pick? Ooh, let me think about that. Um, I know right now you're thinking through your head of which Avengers one you like better. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not for the Oaken's Frozen Trading Post or whatever it is. And there's... Andy's room is the same. Yeah, Andy's room You've is You've got Club same. Mickey Mouse or, you know, Club Disney, Disney Junior. Chin, Disney Junior. No, it's Club Mickey Mouse. Which... Well, let's not drag it on, Isabel. Snap decision right now. Magic or wonder. Do you choose or you don't care? You're both awesome. Or are you happy with either kids club and some... There's another part of the ship that you'd pick either ship. I know it's tough. I don't know. So you don't have to pick. That's okay. You're happy with both of them? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? They're both great ships. So it went from the wonder, you know, being the easy pick against and go for the magic to the wonders reimagination kind of brought it back up to, Ooh, I really need to think about this, you know, and depend on, you know, I will add Eddie that I'm hoping that the pizzazz of Tiana's stays. I'm hoping that that pizzazz isn't just the fresh out of dry dock one year, you know, and then afterwards, then the food quality starts dipping and the, you know, beignets start dipping and the crooners. Like, I, I really hope that, that that pizzazz follows them through every performance and every cruise that the wonder embarks on. Because if that starts to kind of drop off, then that will certainly make, make a difference for me. Um, because right now, that... You know, I was disappointed when I took my cruise on the Wonder that that was the first night because then everything after that was kind of like, really? You know, here I am saying, Set the bar high. We have to go to Animator's Palette. Can't we just go back to Tiana's? Like, when most people love Animator's Palette and they can't wait to get to that show, I looked at Scott like, I just, I want three nights in Tiana's. I can order something different each night. Entree, dessert, like, and, and have a blast. I love it. Um, and yeah, the Sanders family are, are definitely fans of the Princess and the Frog as well. So, you know, me and Mama Odie, we're, I love Mama Odie. So, um, you know, I think that they, they both have their um, pluses and minuses, m- more pluses than anything. Um, so I would go with price, itinerary, and, um, you know, from for us, embarkation port. And on some of those... Magic Cruises, they're now offering Marvel Day at Sea. So Yes. That could really be, you know, the swing vote, too, to really, you know, set the magic over the wonder. And our last question from Eddie. Hey, guys. It's Ed from Long Island. And I wanted to know what your favorite main dining room is on each ship and why. Alrighty. 
Thank you. Isabel, favorite dining room? Wonders Tiana. Magic Karaoke's Fantasy. Ooh, I like Enchanted Garden because I like the... I'll do why starting with the German fantasy. I totally forgot that part. I like Enchanted Garden because I love the effects. I love how it changes. The lamps. Oh, not the lamps. Yeah, you're right. And the beautiful fountain in the middle. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in Magic, I like karaoke because I like Mexican food. And they have a spice of that in there because that's what the only thing Disney Cruise Line does not have Mexican food. True. And I like Tiana's because it's different. And I like beignets. And the show is different from the other shows in the other restaurants. It's unique. Yeah. And live music, it's cool. Excellent. I mean, mine's Tiana's Karaoke's because it's the it's a newer menu. And uh in terms of the dream and fantasy can I pick cabanas? No, I mean I, I like the Can uh, I pick Remy? Wait, no, but right. you can choose that as a no, main no, no. dining room because you Honestly, can though, skip the main dining room for your company. I like the uh anima- animation night where you draw on your placemat. That is it's, super fun. It's fun. So I'm gonna be the outsider. I cannot stand the animator's palette. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. It's I just wanna eat my dinner and go. I'm not interested in cr- Turtle crush, I cannot deal with it. I'm not a fan. I don't want to draw my placement. I don't Ooh. want to see the dancing thing. Can I draw on you? Can I draw for you? I just, I do not like animators on any ship. I have not ever liked animators on any ship. So that's, again, personal opinion. I almost always choose that night for Apollo or Remy so that I can get out of animators' palette. Um, so my favorite. MDR on the Wonder is Tiana's. Um, I love Tiana's. The whole thing about it was amazing. The decor, um, the show, the parade, the food. It was just, the whole thing was awesome. Tiana coming to our table, I loved. Um, I would love for them to do that um, experience on every ship. On the magic, I'm going to go with the Sanders family and say karaoke's, although I like karaoke's when it first came out after Dry Dock before they've kind of toned the menu down. So I miss the skewer of mahi lobster and, you know, quinoa, which probably scared people. But um, I still do like karaoke's. The only downfall is it's, it's however it's designed in there, and actually most MDRs are like this, but it is super loud. Yeah. Um, karaoke's for some reason is just a bit louder than the others, but... But I like karaoke's. And on the dream and fantasy, I'm going to go with uh, Isabel. If I have to choose an MDR, I'm going to choose um, Enchanted Garden. Although, again, it's still loud. Um, you know, they're all kind of loud. But I like the decor in there. I like sitting at those booths in the front when, when we have the chance. Um, I like kind of the theming. Um, it's interesting that none of us care for the Royal Car- Court, Royal Palace, Lumiere's, Triton's. Um, we all like French food. It's pretty much this. It will, more but, or less, it's the same menu across the. Yeah, fleet. It's, it's just kind of funny that, you know, the Beauty and the Beast, um, Little Mermaid, kind of princessy theme doesn't really do it for us. Um, and like I said, I 
if I didn't have to go into animator's palette again, I would be fine. Um, but you know, it is. What I prefer it is. the animators on the classic ships over the. I mean, I'm the same person that wishes when I go on the Magic and Wonder that they had a Remy. So um, I, Remy is, you know, I I would put Tiana's. I love Tiana's, but you know, I do love Remy. Um, I would choose Remy over over Apollo. You know, any day, which is not your question because it's an MDR, but. Um, I but, said cabanas. Yeah, cabanas. We've eaten cabanas for dinner. It's not bad. You know, in October when we go on our um, three night on the dream, we we don't go to the main dining room when we do that cruise. Um, you know, Scott and I go to adult dining twice, and then we usually go to cabanas on that middle night or do room service or deck. Um, so, you know, for Scott to say cabanas is actually not that far off because we've done it for <laughs> for main dining times many times. So. Next question. All right. That, that's all for voicemails. Thanks for everyone that called in. We just have a couple last questions from Twitter that Isabel wants to read. The first question is Tim White. First time on The Wonder. Wondering if there are any mixology classes on Dream Infinity. Any tips for The Wonder? And any tips for The Wonder? Mixology is kind of your like the go-to beverage tasting. It's... I think the most popular of them all. It's definitely fleet wide. It's also usually offered other than a three night cruise multiple times, you know, at least twice for public. Booking. I, I would say if, you know, this kind of goes along with all the beverage seminars that if it's something you really want to do when you first get your navigator in the port, look to see on the ship where they're doing signups for them. And if that's kind of like a must-do for you, kind of make that a priority to take care of when you first get on the ship, when they first start taking, you know, the reservations for it. Because some of these things do tend to fill up rather quickly on that embarkation day. I don't really have any other tips for the Wonder to offer other than Make sure you definitely do not miss your main dining rotation in Tiana's. Um, you know, make sure that you uh, at least kind of tour the new spaces, even if you're not someone that wants to go hang out in the adult area or the lounges. Make it a point to go back there and just kind of go through them and, and look them over because they're, you know, the craftsmanship is very nice. Um, you know, just, just that sort of thing sort of thing give yourself a, a little tour um to go over and read scott any other tips isabel any other tips not really enjoy yourself don't over schedule yeah don't over schedule plan some spontaneity in there yeah don't try to do everything um something that probably just within the last five to seven cruises enjoy deck four go hang out on those awesome teak chairs under the lifeboats and just chill and watch the sea go by. It's great. Enjoy the cruise experience, not, you know, a floating hotel experience. Tim, have a great time. And the next and last question is from Kelly Tucker, and she wants to know if there's any advice or tips for packing for Alaska because she is leaving for Vancouver in 19 days. Well, Kelly, if you find any, let us know because uh, we'll, we will need those same tips. Uh, no, I... <laughs> we leave in 28 days. 
I think the best thing is to pack a raincoat. That's the one thing I've read over and over is to have a raincoat. Um, and not and a poncho. I've read not to bring a poncho. Something that's legitimately waterproof, not water resistant. And I think, and just kind of the way I was brought up, dress in layers. You can always peel off a layer. If you, you get know. a 70 degree day. I mean, like, we, that's kind of how we did it when we went to Norway and Iceland on the Magic. You know, it was unseasonably warm in Europe, but, you know, thankfully we kind of dressed in layers, so we were able to peel off layers throughout the day. We're still hot in jeans and a t-shirt, though, yeah. walking around Oslo. But, you know, you know, I'm just speaking on port, you know, planning, like, what to take for your we're port We're also stuff. people that do laundry. Um, if the cruise is longer than four nights... We do laundry. Um, we're happy to do laundry on a five-night cruise and bring home clean clothes to put away. Mm -hmm. So when we go on our nine-night cruise to Alaska, um, I will be doing laundry. Um, well, I laugh at that. Scott will probably be doing laundry. But um, I go to the gym. I work out every day. I can't bring workout clothes for nine days. Plus, no one wants to smell that when they come home. So, um, you know, it's important for us as a, as a family of three to to do laundry so we did that in norway and iceland as well i mean i think scott and i brought one or two pairs of jeans for an 11 night cruise and we did laundry so um i think that is a is a huge tip it's not that expensive um you know to do the the wash and the dry um you know maybe like five bucks round trip yeah it's like two, two or and three two. yeah, yeah but the thing too is that we are notorious because we just drive to the ports for the Bahamian Caribbean cruises of overpacking. Um, the Sanders family just loads on all their luggage and just away we go. So We're not taking our own advice. Yeah. The true test when we went to Norway and Iceland on an 11 night cruise was really how to pack. And we did very well. So And the airline defined how we packed. Exactly. <laughs> so um, Scott's right. Layers are important. I actually went to Uniqlo at Disney Springs and bought a packable parka. So it's it it's super light. It's small. It packs into this tiny little thing. Um, it was on clearance for half price. We have packable Columbia um, raincoats. Each of us have one. We will be taking those. They pack into the pocket, um, but they're they're seam sealed, waterproof. So they're not water resistant. They're actually waterproof. And they're we live in Florida, so if it's hot, we don't. You don't want to be dying in them. So it's something that we could put a sweater underneath. So Scott's tip, packing in layers is important. So I would say... Thanks, Dad, for that tip. Yep, pack in layers, <laughs> do laundry. Um, you know, we also usually like to dress every night for dinner. Isabel, you know, on our seven-night Caribbean cruises, she's got a different dress every night if we're not going to adult dining. But when we do these, we're way more um, constrictive on that. Will we still dress... For a formal and semi-formal night, yes. Scott took his tux to Europe. He absolutely did. Um, so we were, will most likely do that. But we're very conservative. Um, I think I took one pair of, of black heels and wore them for almost all 11 nights. So um, it's just being smart in how you choose your outfits, doing laundry, um, packing things that aren't super heavy, um, and things of that nature. So... Uh, weighing your stuff before you get to the airport. If possible, 
taking an extra um, bag that you could pack in your bag so that if you do buy souvenirs or shipping at home, you know, is another thing. And this is going to be super unpopular, but I'm going to say it. Don't participate in the fish extender because that's one thing that we realized. I think the last one we did, we went to the Southern Caribbean. That was ridiculous. We had a suitcase full of fish extenders. And even if you're only in 10 staterooms, not only do you have to bring your stuff to give out, but you also have to bring the stuff back that you're given. Um, so that is a, is a suitcase saver. Um, again, unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it. So those are, are my tips and what I plan to use. The other thing is we've also learned not to pack last minute. So we're going to pack you know, probably two weeks before we go because it's not like here in July in Florida we're going to need our parkas. Um, so we should be able to we'll get We'll need our raincoats, though. We will. We should be able to get that stuff kind of well taken care of and situated before we go. And the great thing about the like packable raincoats, you can put those in like the pouch on the outside of your suitcase. I mean, they just shove right in. So those are probably our greatest thing. Scott, are you taking your rain pants? You have packable rain pants. Absolutely. Yeah. So we get them for Isabel to uh, to grow with her. So she also has a packable raincoat. Um, purple. That, Yep, hers is purple. That goes with her. Hooded, again, seam sealed. Um, those are probably the important things. I mean, unlike the Caribbean cruise where we pack five bathing suits, you'll we'll probably pack one with hopes of maybe being able to get to, you know, a hot tub once or something like that. So, um, you know, conservative packing shouldn't be too, too bad. Look and see what you can use that's that's on board sending you know if there's three of you four of you in your family one adult can go to the spa and take their shower in the spa use the toiletries in the spa you know that sort of thing so um just those those are my hands we can certainly do another podcast of preparing and packing for alaska although i think we're kind of late on it disney's been going to alaska for several years and we're kind of just getting around to it. Um, we meant to go in 15, but, you know, Scott saw Norway and Iceland, and, and we jumped on that instead. But, um, you know, I would be happy to kind of go over some or, or write a blog post on how we got ready and, and packed for Alaska and then kind of seeing the result of that. Like, did it work? Did we have everything we needed? Um, we're definitely going to learn. I would definitely say, though, when we went to Europe, we did great. I, I actually wished I had a pair of shorts because of the unseasonably warm temperatures, but um, it, it paid off when we went to Iceland. And I think one thing that Emily always does is we have our packing list, and it sort of is in a blog post that I can link to. You know, we'll have that printed out, and, you know, we'll check things off, but we'll also she'll also take that list with us and kind of make – adjustments like on the ship like oh no we for you know it would have been great if we would remember to bring this or you know we really didn't need this an example make... was in norway i actually bought slippers when we were in oslo because i thought man it would have been awesome to have slippers it actually ended up being an awesome souvenir because i have like the hand knit booties that have mm -hmm. like they're like the nursing home you know version with the traction on the bottom but it's a super awesome souvenir that i have booties you know slippers from norway but now every time we go on a cruise i remember to take slippers with me because 
you know, in the Caribbean, you throw your flip-flops on. But when you're in a cold climate, you need a little something more if you're going to go on deck and grab something. So, you know, slippers were helpful. So Scott's right. Taking that, taking that document and treating it as a live dynamic document that you can kind of change and add to. Um, there really wasn't, you know, like I said, we did, we did pretty good for Norway. So I'm hoping that we do pretty good for Alaska as well. I think we will. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm sure there are things that we will learn or, but there wasn't other than me remembering slippers. There wasn't really anything that I remember saying or Isabel saying, or even you saying, Scott, Oh, I wish I had X. You won't forget your sleep mask. (laughs) So yeah, if you're taking a plane, they always leave the lights on. That's something even something to cover your eyes. That's right. Isabel likes her sleep mask. So, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know. Um, we'll let you know how all that goes. You'll be on your cruise before us, so have a lovely voyage and enjoy Endicott Arm. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for uh, listener questions today. Thank you, everybody that submitted questions. And have a good rest of your day. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed the episode, please feel free to share it with your friends and followers. We'd also be very grateful if you could rate and review our podcast on iTunes. If you have any issues, please drop us an email. You can connect with the show via the comments section on the website, email us at contact at disneycruiselineblog.com, follow us on Twitter at the DCL blog, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Disney Cruise Line blog. Additionally, you can leave a voicemail, which we will try to incorporate into future podcasts with your questions, comments, or feedback on the show by calling 321-765-3252.